0: From the Anajar and Levine studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Lavicka Live on ESPN 106.3. Interesting question from Theo. If you start being
1: addressed as a legend, does that mean that you're old? Can there be any such thing as a young legend other than just like a nickname? Exactly. I think it's... I, don't, I think, Theo, you're on something. I think that legend means you're old. When one too many people like start to like, off, like,
2: oh, it's the legend, like, like, so you know, Evan Cohen is coming by today. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, all right, cool. I'm allowed to say that he's coming by today. If we start toting around, <laughs> oh, Evan, the legend's in the house. The legend, like, he's old. He, it's a, it's a, Nobody. I'm just saying it, it's an old man thing. Yeah, I but, just saw somebody call Freddie Coleman a legend on Twitter,
1: and that's what sparked that. Well, memory. I also think we're really throwing the world word legend. <laughs> Around a lot <laughs>
3: Exactly yeah, but if you're A 14 year old And you beat up The bully that Nobody's beaten up In school You're deemed a legend
2: Kind of But like That is
3: mm.
1: Kind of But not really You know what, if, what I'm saying If, if you But in the, the team, moment You can't be a legend In the moment It's gotta be something That It's legendary You have to be After the fact So th-
2: this is how The first time I started realizing I was old and, and I kind of alluded To it before we You know during the break When I went back To Hampton During homecoming And like Multiple people in the J school there, and I'm not saying it's the brag. They were like, oh, the legend is back. Oh, like no, Theo he kind
1: of <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. Hey, he kind of is. He tried to cut off the humble brag before the humble brag I tried came. to. I
2: tried to. Yeah.
3: It's a legal I'm, move there. I'm not yeah.
2: doing anything that incredible to be called a legend. And that's part of it, too. Like, okay, if I was, like, winning Grammys and Emmys and they called me a legend, I'm like, okay, I am the legend. <laughs> But me going back as a guy who's in like local sports broadcasting and radio now, don't, and they're calling me a legend. Well, you don't have like, to cut
1: your knees out now. Like you do a very, very good job. and I, I do I'm think good. there's probably I've known legend people. I've known people who have won Emmys who have worked in this area. Yeah, and trust me when I tell you, you deserve an Emmy a lot more than them. Oh
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I can I can get to these things. I'm just saying, isn't like for people to, <laughs> I'm not. You know. Legend is a stretch. And when people start all collectively kind of being like, Oh yeah, a legend, legend, it's like, oh wait, how old are y'all again? I'm just the old guy in the
3: room. Yeah, but if an eighteen year old, right, a senior in high school hooks up with Kim Kardashian, right? You're a legend.
2: All right. Well, I'm just saying my career right now, all I have right, not right, yeah, car- yeah. career career analogy wise, I have not hooked up with Kim Kardashian. Yeah, I wonder if Pete if Davidson it- is
1: a living legend. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I guess it depends on the circumstance. <laughs> uh, sure. Yes. Yes. It depends on the circumstances. So when but they yes, called Freddie Coleman, solid from Stone. When they called Freddie Coleman a legend
2: just now on Twitter, um, here I was just like, are <laughs> they just calling him old to his face? Yeah,
1: like here's
0: <laughs> exactly what that is.
1: <laughs> Freddie Coleman. Freddie Coleman. Unlike Ray J, yeah. has never had me. Hey, excuse me for ten minutes. I just need some time. Like, Ray J, his actions caused me to do that. That's a living legend. <laughs> oh, my Freddie God. Coleman, Freddie Coleman, not so much. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ray J. The worst part is he gave us uh, details of how yes. much time it's it took. Ten right?
2: minutes. Are you lighting candles, Ken?
1: Ten minutes is lighting <laughs> candles. I just need, I just need the, the, the right surroundings,
3: okay? Mm-hmm. Everything's got to be comfortable. In lighting it and, uh, incense.
1: And- yeah, exactly. There's a
3: dog crap performance right there. I love, I love you, Kim. I love you.
1: <laughs> uh, Ken Levick alive here on ESPN 106.3, <laughs> the free ESPN app. And on oh. your smart speaker, at John Levine Action and Attorney Studios, You're West horrible. Palm Beach. Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX, Fox 29. Stone LeBanowitz, Friday Night Light. It is Monday, and every Monday we allow you to blow off some steam. We allow you to proclaim from the mountaintop, Just how disgusted you are with something you saw or experienced in sports from over the weekend. Robert Sala, what is it?
4: Um, it's
1: dog That's right. (laughs) It's dog bleep. It's the dog bleep performance of the weekend. And it's a dog bleep Monday here on Ken LeVica Live. And so I'm going to begin here, gentlemen. Jenna Lane, she is a reporter for ESPN. She Mm -hmm. covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yesterday in the matchup we talked about in the previous segment, the Buccaneers had a 17-3 lead in that game over the Cincinnati Bengals. They decided to go for a fake punt on a fourth and three. The old direct snap. The old direct snap. Uh, to the, the punt protector and the problem is Boca Raton's Giovanni Bernard didn't see it coming. It went right through his hands and that was the turnover on downs and then everything went downhill for the Buccaneers after that and so obviously the media that covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers want to talk to Gio Bernard about what took place that's natural and that's that's just being a journalist but It transpired in a weird way. It turned into a showdown between Gio Bernard and the Tampa Bay media. Let's hear how that transpired.
0: I you this week. Oh, Well, you're well you were player. injured all year. What have you done for Sorry. us to talk to you about all year? Okay. I talked to you Tuesday. The, just don't, oh. just talk, don't say you're not talking. Because hey. I didn't talk hold to you all year. Wait. You were also injured most of the season, too. just relax. Can I go to my
4: family that I have outside? And you all can. All of a sudden now? Just, just don't say we didn't talk to you all we, year. We just
0: wanted to ask for your perspective on what happened here. You're there. involved in one of the biggest plays in the game. <laughs> okay. okay, thank okay. you, Duke. I appreciate That's your all. time. We do. We won't hold you. We, we would have talked to you in the season, but also okay, that's, that's you
4: were injured. Just tell us what occurred on the, on the puck. Miscommunication, that's all it was on my part. I take complete fault for that. Is that it a know? fake? I don't know. It was complete fault. My fault. That's it. Did, Is it something the team hasn't practiced It's all week? me. All me. That's uh, something that I did wrong, and that's all. So you it was all aware? on me. Yep, number twenty-five out there. That was me. Um, I was the one that did it. <laughs> but were you aware? <laughs> it, was that it was just a me. Fake? Yeah, I I messed up. I understand that, but we was just asking if you knew it was. Bad. I messed we up. just didn't
0: know if it was a communication.
4: Yeah, right I messed down. up. Thank you. Yep. Okay. Thank, Thank you guys. Thank you.
1: So, Gio Bernard was dressed and was trying to walk through the locker room. Reporters chased him down, and he made the comment, "Oh, you guys didn't want to talk to me all year, and now you want to talk to me." And I understand how frustrating from a journalist perspective it can be when it feels like you're about to be blown off by a player in the locker room. And yes, he's contractually mandated to meet with the media. Totally understand that. But then that's where my understanding ends. Because then that comment from Gio Bernard caused a really aggressive and really defensive response from those journalists. I spent a lot of time in NFL locker rooms and covering the Dolphins. I have never, I mean never, tried to stalk a player in a locker room to the door and then, for lack of a better term, mouth off to said player. Like I've been disrespected by players before, but the thing you don't do in a locker room is then It sounded like they were attempting to get into a verbal altercation with Gio Bernard. Listen to this again, just real quick. This is when, this is right after Gio Bernard tells these reporters, and this is video from Jenna Lane of ESPN, who covered the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right after he said, oh, you didn't want to talk to me all in a year, and now you want to talk to me. Listen to this aggressive, defensive response from these journalists, including Jenna herself. To you
4: this week. Oh, well,
0: you're, well, well you were player. injured all year. What have you done for Sorry. us to talk to you about all year? Okay. I talked to you Tuesday. The, just don't, we're just, we're just talk, don't say you're not talking. Because hey, I didn't talk to you, on, you all year.
5: Wait. You were also injured most of the season, too.
4: Just Can I go to my family that I have outside? And you all can. All of a sudden now? Just, just don't say we didn't talk to you we, all we year. We just
3: wanted to ask for your perspective on what happened you, there. You're
4: involved in one of the biggest plays in the
1: game. <laughs> all right, stop it right there. Especially the male reporter in the background. Just don't tell us we didn't talk to you all year. Just don't. It sounds like they're trying to pick an altercation with Geo Bernard. That is extremely unprofessional, and yeah. that's dog
2: blame. I, at risk of me saying something that would get me in trouble, I can't even comment on that because it was it was just absolutely whack there, on behalf of all of them.
1: And and Jenna Lane put out this video.
2: That as was the worst part it about was it.
1: Was gonna it was gonna she thought it was it was gonna do something. And it didn't go that way. She thought that she was going to – she purposely put it out to paint Gio Bernard in a a very, very shady light. And now we see that there was an aggression there that was weird. You know what? If he walks out of the locker room, it sucks. But you know what? Then you tell the Tampa Bay officials, hey, we need to have this guy on Monday then because he ducked us in the locker room. That's what professionals would do. Instead, Jenna Lane and the rest of the Tampa Bay reporters decided – that following them to the door and getting mouthy with them was the right approach to take. That was weird, and that was
3: wildly unprofessional. One hundred percent, the dog crap performance of the weekend. Jenna Lane also on Twitter: if you replied to her video, she replied right back. Like she went head to head with everybody playing. in the reply thread
1: because then she was trying to defend. She thought She's that she had a home it, so run. She thought she had a home run, and then when it when she realized, oh wait. People think that this came off badly for me. Then she got defensive just like she did in the
3: video. This is everything to do with main character syndrome. Like mm-hmm. like like people mm-hmm. think that what they're reporting on or how they do it is the correct way and whatnot. First of all, they all asked them the same question, back to back to back to back. Nobody changed well, up the and question. And The questioning was really dicey in and of itself because
1: he answered the question. And then he answered the question. And then, oh, we need clarification. We need clarification. What
3: more is he going to clarify? He took ownership of the entire thing. Yeah. There's my thing right there. He took the blame. At, at what point are you sitting in front of Geo four? Why? There's no reasoning. When you know exactly what happened on that fake punt, it was a direct snap. You've seen it for 100 years that the sport of football has been around. He's not going to give you anything else than I dropped the football. So at that point... Do you just want to be along for the viral video? Do you just want to poke somebody? Do you want to feel important? It's embarrassing for the profession, 100%. Players don't want to talk to these nerds anymore.
1: I've been frustrated in locker rooms before. I've been ducked out on in locker rooms before, and it sucks. It really, really, really sucks. But the thing you don't do is try to cause a confrontation, and they tried to cause a confrontation. That's not good enough. That is absolutely not good enough. If you can't write your story... Or give your analysis of the game without talking to Gio Bernard, then you probably have to, you probably got to rethink what you're doing. Todd Bowles talked about it. The Buccaneers talked about it. You can fill in the holes Monday with Gio Bernard. You can tell Tampa Bay Sports Information hey, we need him pulled off to the side for us on Monday. But what you don't do is what the reporters exhibited in that video, period. Did you
3: hear what Todd Bowles said? No. He said he dropped the ball. Yeah. And it, it, that's all he had. He's like, hey, "Geo dropped the ball." That's what we all saw.
1: Todd Bowles said, "I knew the punt was the fake punt was coming." Yeah. He dropped the ball. Geo Bernard said, "It's my responsibility. I screwed up. It's on me. It's my fault." There's your clarity. What else we got to do? What else we got to
2: talk it's giving, about? It's giving Britt McHenry. I would also say, I would also say on Jenna's behalf, her immediately getting antagonistic by bringing
1: up, "Oh, you were injured all year. You were like, what are you?" What? What are you doing? Yeah. Also, like, what what was that? Yeah, you you don't need to sit there and defend yourself in that spot. That's that, not that your job. Sick. Your job was to get Joe Bernard. It's clear that he didn't want that to happen. It's upsetting. I understand that, but you don't chase him around the locker room. Like, there's no reason for that. So, uh, to Jenna Lane and the rest of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers media, that is my dog bleep performance of the weekend.
4: Um,
0: yeah, it was
1: dog. <laughs> Thanks, Coach Sala. Speaking of dog bleep, Coach Shala, maybe you want to use a timeout or two. Mm. I don't know. That's just me. Uh, Theo, what was your dog crap performance of the weekend on this dog bleep Monday here on Ken LaVica Live? Mine
2: is going to go internally to my Kansas City Chiefs because when the spread is, what, like 14, yep. what was it, 14 points and you have yep. the Texans who you just saw. We saw two versions of the Texans. You saw the one that got steamrolled versus the Dolphins and you saw one that put up a fight against the Cowboys. So you know that the, at the very least you should be up, awake, ready to take care of business, walk through the whole first half. Davis Mills is looking like the you know the second coming of whoever the hell, shoot. I mean, it was running and throwing all over the Chiefs' defense. It was, it was pathetic. I am glad that the Chiefs did do the right thing and close it out with a win, unlike what happened against the Colts earlier in the year. But still, it's just – when you're trying – you're still in the, in the running right now for that number one seed in that bye week, which is pivotal in the AFC. The Bills can lose any of these one last three games – And if the Chiefs went out, we can get that one seed. A performance like that against the Texans, you can't have that this late in the season.
1: Now, luckily, luckily for you, though, the Houston Texans became the Houston Texans. (laughs) Because, because everything was looking sunshiny, right, Stone? Everything was looking sunshiny for Houston in overtime when the Texans got to Patrick Mahomes to end the first Chiefs drive. Here comes Mahomes,
0: third and fourth. Held oh, and and shot by Cashman. Oh, what a play. Back to the 45. Oh,
1: Kevin Harlan on CBS is jacked. Can this upset happen? Is it going to happen? Oh, no, no, because you're the Houston Texans. Because what happened on the very next play? This. Mills,
0: blocked by a OLA, and here's the only of the ball. <laughs> it's loose. It's loose at the 27. Good, it got it back. like
1: the... And then, what did the Texans do best? Well, after tragedy befalls them, they quit. Here's the quitting. The first and ten.
0: McKinnon, Brown, a block, and a block. They open up the door. The game is over. Touchdown, one. McKinnon. The Chiefs have won. And they win the division.
1: So, while their performance was dog bleep, while their performance was terrible... They still, at the end of the day, were playing the Houston Texans, yeah. and they're still the division champions. So yours is – your, your dog bleed performance of the week isn't like a, a mess in the living room that was left. It was more just like, a, ah, that was annoying that my heel stepped in it in the yard. Type of
2: situation, yeah, yeah, and it, it's because the goal is so much greater, like the stakes are so much higher. Because I'm looking at seven straight AFC West championships, uh-huh, we yeah. need to get that locked up. <laughs> totally, I'm totally. looking at that one
3: seed, and I'm like, "What are we doing out here,
1: man?" Yeah,
3: yeah I, 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 I wanted to reach for Patrick Mahomes for the performance of the week just to piss Theo off, but he was 36 to 41. Yeah, he, he was, was com- good. He wasn't the problem. Completing 88 percent of your passes, yeah, uh, that, that's uh, yeah. the opposite of dog. I right? mean, Davis
1: yeah. Mills just made things for the Chiefs nectic. Hectic? neck Why neck? Missed the long oh, neck. Okay. Um, okay. I forgot no. about the name of the Well, neck, well yeah. that was dog bleep. You're okay. Horrible! All right, Robert Sala. Robert Sala, please grace Theo Dorsey with your voice. Um it was dog yep. <laughs> dog bleep. All right, Stone, on a dog bleep Monday. And by the way, what was your dog bleep performance of the weekend in sports? Eight 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 seven six zero three seven seven six eight eight eight. 760 3776 888 Seven six zero three seven seven six 760 3776 On Twitter, at KLV1063. What was your dog bleep performance of the week?
3: 888-760-3776. Stone, where are you going? This one's plain and simple, and it's a game we already touched on, but Matt Ryan's second-half performance, for me, was the dog crap performance of the week. So nine drives mm-hmm. these Colts got. Jeff Saturday's boys, Matt Ryan, he knows how to blow a lead. So in nine drives, there were 20 dropbacks for a total of 60 yards. You know, yeah, a total of zero points. (laughs) (laughs) So to go an entire two quarters of football with 60 yards to the air and 20 dropbacks and to not score a single point, I mean, I do not think it gets more dog crap than that. No, no,
1: that is pretty It's historic.
3: Historic.
1: That is well done. The thing
2: about the Colts, too, is if there was one, maybe five teams in the league that you can choose and say, hey, they have a 33-point lead. They're built to keep a lead Mm. and get out of there. It would be the Colts who have Jonathan Taylor, well, he, got, got, he, a, got, he well, got he got, got hurt. Out of he got that game. The, yeah. Yeah. the
1: problem is they didn't have Jonathan Taylor <laughs> in
2: the second half. I wonder if it would have. If it would, have, I think they're still tanking. I still think they're playing with the Texans <laughs> and <laughs> they're tanking as well. So
1: let's focus in this. And by the way, uh, Robert Sala, if you could cap off Stone, please. Um, was dumb. <laughs> what is your what was your dog bleep sports performance of the weekend on a dog bleep Monday here on Ken Lavica Live? eight 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 seven six zero three seven seven six eight 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 seven six zero three seven seven six 760 760 and tweeted us at KLV 1063. 888 760 3776 Because I need to bust out the tinfoil here. So so Theo, what you're saying is that we're seeing one of the most involved. And one of the most um, elaborate tanking schemes in NFL history, so much so that instead of just going there outright and tanking and sucking, uh, these teams are purposely putting themselves in a position to win against good teams and then falling apart at the end. For what reason? Is that to avoid the NFL investigating yes. them for tanking? Because uh, this this is extreme, like extreme, extreme. If you do what the Texans did against the
2: Dolphins and just don't show up in the first half, then there's no, like, that's too obvious. But if you fight your tail off, if you really call up a good game plan in the first half and you get some points on the board, you look competitive, You you challenge that line, because, again, they're still covering, too. You challenge that betting line, like now you look like you're a competitive team that just so happens to get beat out by so better teams.
1: Who's the ringleader in each situation for this? Who's the one who's organizing this grand conspiracy plan?
2: Oh, it's got to be the owners. I mean, for sure we know what the Colts is the owner. For sure what the Colts is the owner. The guy who fired Frank Wright and hired a TV analyst, I think he might be the one orchestrating a little bit of tanking for the Colts. And again, <laughs> it it's the process. They've tried this already. They went and got Phillip Rivers. They went and got And Carson made the playoffs. Witts. They went and got Matt Ryan, and all three were swings and misses, though.
1: Yeah, but one brought him into the playoffs. One came a game away from going to the playoffs before he got lawrenced. Yeah. And then— th- They, weren't, they uh. weren't
2: long-term fixes, though. And just making the playoffs isn't his goal. I'm sure he wants to be able to contend and compete again. Like, they want the next Peyton Manning, and it hasn't worked out with these one-year rentals. So now he says, I've seen this before. Smart man. He's been up there for a while. I'm gonna go and get me a guy at the top of the draft. It's it's obvious, and for the Texans, same thing. They had Deshaun Watson. <laughs> they thought they had their quarterback for the next 30 years, but he got a little touchy feely, little and, handsy, and um and and things got a little weird for him. So they had to get up off of him. They wanted a franchise QB. These guys are outwardly tanking in the same division, and it's so obvious.
1: So, all right, conspiracy theory noted, n- n- noted. We very much noted. Noted. It's noted. <laughs> um. What I would say in response to that, and Steve Smith on the NFL Network pregame show before the Dolphins and Bills was killing Jeff Saturday, straight out said that uh, he might be the first interim coach in NFL history to get fired after three games. I would argue that the Colts' performance under Jeff Saturday should earn him at least another year as the head coach of the Colts. Those dudes are playing for him, and I know that collapse happened, and I know that it was a historic collapse but they're competitive. They beat the Raiders, who beat the Patriots yesterday. They've hung in there. They've given themselves opportunities to win. They're clearly prepared. Jeff Saturday, I would say that he's not an embarrassment. I would say he's probably overperformed expectations to a point where he should be able to get a long conversation with Colts ownership. What do you make of that? Jeff Saturday... (laughs) should get at least another year as the head coach of the Colts. They're playing for him.
3: They got no Darius Leonard, mm-hmm. no Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. Shaq Leonard. Sha- oh, oh, my oh, no. goodness Or He gracious. also doesn't have Darius Leonard. <laughs> yes, yeah, it, literally He's gone. <laughs> He's yeah, gone all, Shaq- <laughs> all year. <laughs> I, <right. laughs> no Shaq. Hey, but here, uh, to Ken's point, I guess if I were to put on the tinfoil hat with them. We've stopped talking about Jeff Saturday. I yeah, think because he belongs per- because the performances have been okay. Yeah, he belongs. Like if they were so bad, it'd be a constant weekly thing we do. But it's like, oh, okay, it's not as bad as we thought. Let's go to the next topic. So for that reason, I'm in. I mean, Mike McCarthy blew a 17 point lead. Is
1: is he going to have that job next year? Probably. Yeah. Um, he can have the job. Todd Bowles had a 17 nothing lead. Is he going to have the job next year? Probably. Why wouldn't Jeff Saturday have this Colts job when he has nobody, and he was basically brought in to be a figurehead feel-good story, and these dudes are actually playing for him. Yeah. They're actually playing for
3: him. Don't forget to mention Josh McDaniels, right, who takes the loss to Jeff Saturday, who takes the loss to Baker Mayfield, and it has a lot more blemishes on his schedule than Jeff. And it definitely feels like he's going to be the coach
1: of the Raiders next year. So all I'm saying is that you may think it's elaborate tanking, but I think Jeff Saturday, forget the tanking, I think Jeff Saturday has actually gone out there and tried to show like, hey,
2: I got this. I can do this. He can be the coach of the Colts next year, but it's not the best decision for the Indianapolis Colts. I'm sure there's a guy out there that's a more qualified that can raise the bar higher. You're talking about this Colts team as if they are bottom dwellers. They have the talent, and they were a team that was knocking on the door to playoffs last year. They've it's got
1: not, a 97-year-old quarterback and injuries all over the place.
2: It's not confusing to me that they're, that they're actually competitive in games. It's confusing to me that they keep allowing teams to win, and it feels...
1: I would argue, though, that they play better under Jeff Saturday than they did Frank Reich. They play better under Jeff Saturday. So what? So and they, their offense has been better with the guy who was basically an offensive analyst coming in and calling plays than Frank Reich was at any point this season. And
3: so you know what makes me sick thinking about, though, is, is Jeff Saturday with a 21 year old rookie quarterback. Like, who's going to coach this guy? Who knows the new offense that saying. these you teams get are bringing coach. in? You get I mean, maybe coach. you bring in a, a new offensive staff, right? Yeah. Maybe you clean house and figure that out. But. Jeff Saturday paired with the 21 year old rookie quarterback and Bryce Young. That doesn't sound, I'm not optimistic. Well, they about wouldn't that.
2: get Bryce, though, unless they really get to the bottom there. Then it was
1: yeah, like, then or it's or like a CJ Stroud. Well, your, yeah. your conspiracy theory, they're going to have the lead in every fourth quarter the remaining three weeks, and then they're going to on purpose lose in well, the, the fourth quarter for reasons Texans, unbeknownst.
2: The Texans are not going to let them do it. Wasn't it the Texans and Colts that tied like in week two or mm-hmm. one? Yeah, they, they've been both on the tanking train for – because remember, the Texans could have tried to win that game. I think it was like week two against the Colts, and Lovey Smith was like, let's take the tie. Let's go ahead and take the tie here. This is sick, man.
1: So, so uh, Theo's got tinfoil on his head, and I think Jeff Saturday should be the coach of the Colts full-time. <laughs> We are rolling here. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care is a team of skilled orthopedic sports medicine surgeons and specialists that specialize in surgical and non-surgical treatments to get you back to what you love. Don't put off seeing a doctor. Visit baptisthealthnet slash orthocare today for more information. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care combines its resources of experienced physicians, leading-edge treatments, and technology to provide advanced orthopedic Foot and ankle, joint replacement, spine, and sports medicine care. Visit baptishealth.net slash orthocare for more information today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has offices conveniently located in Palm Beach County through the Florida Keys. Learn more by visiting baptishealth.net slash orthocare. The Dolphins, where are they and what are they? A state of the Dolphins after a third straight loss when we come back. He's Theodore, CWP-TV News Channel 5, WFLX, Fox 29. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. Can we do it
0: again? Yeah, yeah. Can we do it again? Yeah, yeah. Can we do it again? Yeah, yeah. From the Enerjar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3.
1: Tis the season. To drink craft beer and eat off a full menu at Stormhouse Brewing, just because soccer's over, doesn't mean that. Well, the resumption of the Premier League isn't going to be right there at Stormhouse Brewing for your viewing consumption. Doesn't mean that they're not having the NFL Sunday ticket like they always do. I mean, at Stormhouse Brewing, it just keeps rolling. Stormhouse Brewing, North Palm Beach, US 1, a half mile south of PGA Boulevard. I can't think of anywhere better to hang out, have beers with friends who have come back in town for the holidays, eat, watch sports, than Stormhouse Brewing. Now that's a vibe. Damn right. Me. What was that? Vibing. This is my first time hearing it. We're just vibing. I like that. Good vibes only. That's right. Did you slow your voice down? Stormhouse Brewing. Who knows who that is? (laughs) Who knows who that is? It's radio magic. Stormhouse Brewing, North Palm Beach, US 1, half mile south of PGA Boulevard. It is vibes. It's vibes, baby. Oh, my goodness. They have the beer that is brewed on site. Their master brewer was trained in Germany. Don't tell me that you are not going to drink craft beer at a place where the master brewer... Was trained in what is the capital mm. of beer, Germany. Stormhouse Brewing, full food menu in a craft brewery, it's unheard of. Watch all your sports, come hang out, and you're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. What you need to do this week, no one cares about work. Leave work early, leave work for lunch, go to Stormhouse Brewing and tell your boss my productivity is nothing. Because I'm going to Stormhouse Brewing. Check them out online, stormhousebrewing.com, and pop in. Have beer, have food, have fun. Stormhouse Brewing in North Palm Beach. Ken Levick alive. That's right. It's a Monday here on ESPN 106.3. Quick programming note. We will not be on the air at noon tomorrow. We're not on the air at noon tomorrow because... Everybody on the ESPN West Palm team is going to be down at FAU Stadium for the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Uh, kickoff is seven thirty between Liberty and Toledo. And for tickets, uh, you can get them at RoofClaimBocaRatonBowl.com. That's RoofClaimBocaRatonBowl.com. Uh, but we will be on the air at four. Myself, Theo Stone. We're going to do a fun little drive-time edition of Ken live Alive, um, uh, starting at 4 o'clock from FAU Stadium. So if you're going to the game, come seek us out. Come check us out. Come listen to us. Pull if up. you're not going to the game, why? That's a terrible decision. But that's when you'll hear us tomorrow is at 4 o'clock Eastern time. Claire? I,
2: I heard Stone Labanowitz is going to be giving out autographs to anybody that pulls up outside of FAU Stadium. All right. That is a fact. Between four to six, though, you gotta hit them right between four to six with mm-hmm. a live broadcast.
1: Small little window. Gotta make it happen. <laughs> make, it, make it happen. The onus is on you. I'll send that autograph. You gotta get your backside there though yeah. in that tiny little, uh, tiny little window. <laughs> um, I, I need to discuss the Dolphins because I, I've already stoned and made it pretty clear. What I think about their playoff chances, right? Yeah, not too, uh, not too,
3: not feeling too good. Give them a, a four out of ten. Yeah, no, I give them a, a four smart. out of ten after the loss to the Chargers. Yeah, that's right. I um, are you, are, is that number moving? Still right here,
1: baby. I gotta say, I'm probably at a five or a six now <laughs> with the Dolphins. It was a really frustrating loss on Saturday night, an extremely frustrating loss because, like the previous two games, they had every opportunity to win. I I think it's become clear that the Dolphins, do they have deficiencies on offense, and were they dicey on third down calls especially, and did they abandon the run Saturday in especially late-down situations where it made no sense for them to abandon the run because they were doing whatever they wanted against the front of the Bills? Yeah, that was frustrating. That's really frustrating. You don't have to throw a quick out to Tyreek Hill. You don't have to force a quick out to Jalen Waddle. Give the ball to Raheem Mostert. Give the ball to Alec Ingold. That stuff would have worked. The Dolphins may have won if Mike McDaniel didn't overthink himself and outthink himself in that second half on Saturday night. But the defense is the problem with this Dolphins team. And yes, they came up with a strip sack of Josh Allen. And yes, they have performed well with back against the wall multiple times this season. But they give up way too many points, man. they If you, in those weather conditions, in those weather conditions, on Saturday night, put up the point total the Dolphins did, you should absolutely be winning that game. And they didn't. And Josh Boyer's defense, more often than not, has been the massive problem this year, and that continued on Saturday night. It's why they're not going to make a deep playoff run. But, those dudes went into Buffalo on a short week after traveling 3,000 miles and yep. getting ridicule because Mike McDaniel wore I wish it were colder, a wish it were colder shirt. They're getting crap for that. There was Stone and I watched last week as there was legitimate debate on ESPN about whether that was a good move on Mike McDaniel's part. That team played like a team that was unbothered by the cold. That team, through wide stretches of Saturday night, outplayed the Buffalo Bills. In Bill's weather, I now think that the Dolphins are going to beat the Packers on Sunday, and I think the Dolphins are going to continue to get help from the Patriots and Jets and win one of those two games, and they'll find a way into the playoffs. But that was encouraging. I'm, I'm not into a moral victory, and Mike McDaniel, his play calling has been suspect at times over the last three weeks, but you still see that those dudes believe they play for him. He keeps everything up and positive. Everyone thought they were going to get blown out Saturday night, and they should have won that game. Including us. Yeah, and they should have won that game. I I feel encouraged by what I saw because there's a lot of fight and a lot of execution in this team. When
2: y'all say including us, remember the guy who right before this weekend started was telling y'all pump the brakes, the Dolphins will be fine, and they have a chance to beat the Bills.
3: Well, that's I kept why, saying it. That's why you're a ray of sunshine I from kept here saying, on. Like, like, yeah, that. yeah, yeah, uh, eternal the, optimist. The Bills, for one, are like we've seen
2: this over the past four or five weeks. They're not as scary as they were before the season started. It's a team that y'all had already beaten at home, and also the rest of the schedule isn't as daunting again as we previously talked about the Packers, the Pats, and the Jets. Well, yeah, all very winnable games. We just got like, out
3: of the stretch. That was daunting.
2: Yeah, that was, you You finished it. It was three yeah. games. It was really tough. You lost all three of them. You were <laughs> in two of them. You were never going to win that San Francisco game.
1: The, the Chargers one ends up being a, a dismal loss. Yeah. That's the one that probably makes me the angriest because yeah. there's
3: no reason for that. But I can sleep at night. We can sleep at night yeah. with the Patriots and the Jets losing the way they did. Yeah, right. Exactly. That definitely helps. And in fact, going into yesterday, The Dolphins'
1: playoff chances, according to Steve Kornacki, were at 64%. They're now up to 69. Nice percent. Nice. So uh, that's encouraging. That's a good thing. I I just feel like once you come back home, and there's going to obviously be a lift being back home for the first time in a month, I think Sunday is going to be a good day for the Dolphins. I think Christmas Day is going to be a good day. And I know Aaron Rodgers is a challenge, but I feel better about going against Aaron Rodgers now and to have been able to get into a shootout with him than I did seven days ago.
2: It's a uh, What I like about the Dolphins most is Mike McDaniel, he just feels like a guy who... who Number one, he's obviously a good offensive mind. It's his first year of full time play calling, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he was playing calling the plays in San Francisco, right? He is,
1: and I, I hate this, but you do have to give him a little bit of leeway yeah. because this is his first year calling plays, and the results have been mostly really good. And it's with a completely like new,
2: like two of adding Tyreek Hill, involving Jalen Waddle in the way that they have, trying to figure out the Mike Gesicki thing, bringing in a whole new running back core, having a new left tackle and a banged up O line. This is a really good foundation. And you have a coach who's not stuck in his ways. He's not an idiot. He has nuanced thought. Like, I, I feel optimistic about the future of the Dolphins, not just next year, but this playoff run here.
1: If anybody thinks that Tua was the weak link for the Dolphins on Saturday and did anything other than play winning football for the Dolphins, you're an idiot. Tua played winning quarterback football for the Dolphins on Saturday. Tua deserved better than what he got On Saturday. Again, we saw drops. I mean, that Trent Shurfield drop in the end zone. Tough catch. But come on, bro. Come on, bro. You're an NFL receiver. That one hurt. Mm. That one really hurt. Tua played winning football in 26-degree weather and then the snow. He had his first two throws when it started with the heavy snow in the fourth
3: quarter. Tua I would, I'm would. i going to go insane. He was excellent Saturday night. I think he was more than excellent, and it's interesting you're bringing up Tua not being the weakling because I am somebody I would defend the defense as well not being a weakling. I think they did enough defensively to win that football game. It's a Buffalo Bills team. I know 29 is eh, – and depends how you want to look at it, but holding this Bills team and having the opportunities and the chances the Dolphins did, it's a win, and we're not moral victory good. guys. But I, I I, think Tua was not the weakling. I don't think the defense – was all that bad? I just thought it was a football game. They ended up being on the wrong side of. Josh Allen converted three or four third downs on that game-winning drive. Yeah, he had a second and seventeen, and standing on his own twenty, gets it to a third and three, converts that. Then gets to another third and short, converts that. Another third and seven, third and eight, now in plus territory, converts that. It's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes. This Buffalo Bills team's damn good.
2: Yeah, you can't uh, always play the results. Like I mean, yeah, it's it's a good. It was two good teams. Somebody had to lose.
3: Um, Simply,
1: uh, Husam Patel. Uh, Five Reasons Sports put out some advanced analytics from Saturday night. Late downs, third and fourth. The Dolphins had 15 plays. They had two rushes with a 1.06 EPA 100% success rate, okay, on those two rushes. 13 passes with a negative .05 EPA per play with a 31% success rate. So that means on third and short, the Dolphins Saturday night passed the ball. Based on advanced analytics, however you take those, 38% more than what they needed to. Mm. So that tells you a big story right there. Yes, those people on social media Saturday night clamoring for the Dolphins to keep running the ball on third and fourth down. Mike McDaniel probably should have kept running the ball on third and fourth down. But then you factor in, it is his first year calling plays, first year as a head coach. You've gotten great returns to this point. Fine, you let it go, get ready for the Packers, and it's going to be 55 degrees at kickoff run forever on Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium. Aaron will be feeling good. He's Theo Darcy, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX, Fox 29. Would you stop? I'm Ken LeVick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3.
0: From the Anajar and Levine studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LeVick Alive on ESPN 106.3.
1: Hey, spring training's coming up. Ballpark of the Palm Beaches. Pitchers and catchers are going to be down here before you know it. In West Palm, ballpark of the Palm Beaches, it is the spring training home of the world champion, Houston Astros. Tell them, Theo.
2: It's the city, baby. It's the splash town, baby.
1: H-Town, the Astros, the champions, they call spring training. And the ballpark the Palm Beaches home. You've got the Washington Nationals, those two teams. And then just the, the, the park itself. What a great experience! Ballpark Beautiful. of the Palm Beaches, not a bad seat in that place. Ballpark of the Palm Beaches, get your spring training tickets now. And it's not just the Astros and the Nationals. You got the Yankees coming through in great Fruit League play. You got the Red Sox rolling through. BallparkPalmBeaches.com, pretty easy to remember. BallparkPalmBeaches.com. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Great stuffing, Stucker. What? Stuffing? <laughs> whoa! Whoa! Stocking whoa. stuffer. Hmm. Stucking stopper, is that what I went with first time around? Something yeah. like that. It was kind of weird. It's that All right. and a great stocking stuffer. <laughs> Spring training, ballpark of the Palm Beaches. Ballparkpalmbeaches.com. That's ballparkpalmbeaches.com. Now that's a vibe. Damn right it is. Um, Josh Allen's a mutant. He is not of this world. He's not. While we were talking about the Dolphins, I want to make sure that I throw that in there. What a a complete freak of nature. Yeah. And I also, too, I'm tired of quarterbacks like Tua being put up against the performances of Josh Allen. Tua can absolutely – I had people saying, oh, the Dolphins are good, but they're not going to win anything with Tua. No, they can. They absolutely can. But you can't compare what Josh Allen's ability is and what he does to what Tua does. Ain't fair. Josh Allen is
3: one of one, okay? All this uh, week after you said you would trade him for a Super Bowl. The following season, no, Look you cool. don't trade the mutant. You don't trade oh, no. the one of one. I would yeah. say
1: that though, because the Bills haven't won a Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah, and you get desperate, but kind of feels like they probably have a couple of shots with him. No, shout uh, out to, just a few.
2: shout out the Canes, Mark Fletcher. Tomorrow, McClain, tomorrow, we're yeah. tomorrow we're talking
1: Canes. Tomorrow we're talking Dion too. We're starting at Woo! four tomorrow. Woo! Note it. That's yes, Theo. I'm that's Stone. I'm Ken. Goodbye.
0: From the Anijar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levicka Live on ESPN 1063. Interesting question from Theo. If you start being addressed
1: as a legend, does that mean that you're old? Can there be any such thing as a young legend other than just like a nickname? Exactly. I think it's... I, don't, I think, Theo, you're onto to something. I think that legend means you're old. When one too many people, like, start to, like, oh, like, oh, it's
2: the legend. Like, like, so, you know, Evan Cohen is coming by today. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Yeah. All right, cool. I'm allowed to say that. He's coming by today. If we start toting around, <laughs> oh, Evan, the legend's in the house. The legend, like. He's old. He, it's a, it's a, nobody. I'm just saying, it, it's an old man thing. Yeah, I but, just saw somebody call Freddie Coleman a legend on Twitter, and that's what sparked
3: that.
1: Well, I memory. also think we're really throwing the word, word legend <laughs> Around a
3: lot <laughs> Exactly yeah, but if you're A 14 year old And you beat up The bully that Nobody's beaten up In school You're deemed a legend
2: Kind of But like That is
1: <clears throat>
2: Kind of But not really You know what I'm saying
1: If, if, if you But 15, in the moment You can't be a legend In the moment It's gotta be something That It's legendary You have to be After the fact So th- this is
2: how The first time I started realizing I was old and, and I kind of alluded To it before we You know during the break When I went back To Hampton During homecoming And like Multiple people in the J school there, and I'm not saying it's the brag. They were like, oh, the legend is back. Oh, no, he kind of is. No,
1: no, no. He kind of is. He tried to cut off the humble brag before the humble brag I tried to. I
2: tried to.
3: It's a legal move there. I'm not doing
2: anything that incredible to be called a legend. And that's part of it, too. Like, okay, if I was, like, winning Grammys and Emmys and they called me a legend, I'm like, okay, I am the legend. But me going back as a guy who's in like local sports broadcasting and radio now, and don't, they're calling me a legend. Well, you don't have like, to cut
1: your knees out now. Like you do a very, very good job. And I, I do I think could. there's pro I've known legend people I've known people who have won Emmys who have worked in this area. Yeah. And trust me when I tell you, you deserve an Emmy a lot more than them.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I can I can get to these things. I'm just saying as in like for people to <laughs> I'm not, you know. Legend is a stretch. And when people start all collectively kind of being like, oh yeah, a legend, legend, it's like, oh wait, how old are y'all again? I'm just the old guy in the room.
3: Yeah, but if an eighteen year old, right, a senior in high school hooks up with Kim Kardashian, right? You're a legend.
2: All right. Well, I'm just saying my career right now, I have not career career analogy wise, I have not hooked up with Kim Kardashian. Yeah, I wonder if Pete
3: Davidson is a
1: living legend. Yes. Yes.
3: yeah,
1: I guess it depends on the circumstance <laughs> Sure yes. Yes. it depends on the circumstance. So but when they yes, call Freddy Coleman Solid from Stone
2: when they called Freddie Coleman a legend just now on Twitter um, here, I was just like, are they just calling him old to his face? Yeah
1: like here's <laughs> <exactly> <laughs> <this way. laughs> what that is Freddie Coleman Freddie Coleman, unlike Ray J, yeah. has never had me hey, excuse me for 10 minutes, I just need some time. Like, Ray J, his actions caused me to do that. That's a living legend. <laughs> oh, my Freddie God. Coleman,
3: Freddie Coleman, not so much. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ray J. The worst part is he gave us uh, details of how yes. much time it's it took. Ten right?
2: minutes. Are you lighting candles, Ken?
1: Ten minutes is lighting <laughs> candles. I just need, I just need the, the, the right surroundings,
3: okay? Mm-hmm. Everything's got to be comfortable. And lighting in, uh,
1: incense. And, yeah, exactly. There's a
3: dog crap performance right there. Love I love you, Kim. I love you. <laughs>
1: uh, Ken Levicka. Live here on ESPN 106.3, <laughs> the free ESPN app. And on uh. your smart speaker, at John Levine, Action and Attorney Studios, the West horrible. Palm Beach. Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX, Fox 29. Stone the LeBanowitz, Friday Night Light. It is Monday, and every Monday we allow you to blow off some steam. We allow you to proclaim from the mountaintop. Just how disgusted you are with something you saw or experienced in sports from over the weekend. Robert Sala, what is it?
4: Um, it's
1: dog That's right. It's dog bleep. It's the dog bleep performance of the weekend. And it's a dog bleep Monday here on Ken LeVica Live. And so I'm going to begin here, gentlemen. Jenna Lane, she is a reporter for ESPN. She Mm -hmm. covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yesterday in the matchup we talked about in the previous segment, the Buccaneers had a 17-3 lead in that game over the Cincinnati Bengals. They decided to go for a fake punt on a fourth and three. The old direct snap. The old direct snap. Uh, to the the punt protector and the problem is Boca Raton's Giovanni Bernard didn't see it coming. It went right through his hands and that was the turnover on downs and then everything went downhill for the Buccaneers after that and so obviously the media that covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers want to talk to Gio Bernard about what took place. That's natural and that's that's just being a journalist but It transpired in a weird way. It turned into a showdown between Gio Bernard and the Tampa Bay media. Let's hear how that transpired. To you this
0: week. Oh, well, well you were player. injured all year. What have you done for us to talk to you about all year? I, I, I talked to you Tuesday. The, just don't, we're just, we're just talk, don't say you're not talking because hey, I didn't talk to you, you all year. Wait. You were also injured most of the season, too.
4: Can I go to my family that I have outside and you all can. of a sudden now? Just, just don't say we didn't talk to you we, all we year. We just
3: wanted to ask for your
0: perspective on what happened you, there. You're involved in one of the biggest plays in the game. Okay. Thank you, Duke. I appreciate your time. We do. We won't hold you. We, we would have talked to you in the season, but also okay,
4: you were injured. Just tell us what occurred on the, on the part. Miscommunication, that's all it was on my part. I take complete fault for that. Was it a know? fake? I don't know. It was complete fault. My fault. That's it. Did, Is did something you know that it this something the team hasn't practiced It's all week? me. All of me. That's uh, something I did wrong, and that's all. So you were It was aware? all on me. Yep, number 25 out there. That was me. Um, I was the one that did it. <laughs> but were you aware it, that was, it was just me. Bank? Yeah, I, I messed up. I understand that. But we're just asking if you knew it was coming. I messed we up. We just didn't know if it was a communication. Yeah, right I messed down. up. Thank you. Yep. Thank, Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks. So, Gio
1: Bernard was dressed and was trying to walk through the locker room. Reporters chased him down, and he made the comment, oh, you guys didn't want to talk to me all year, and now you want to talk to me. And I understand how frustrating from a journalist perspective it can be when it feels like you're about to be blown off by a player in the locker room, and yes, he's contractually mandated to meet with the media. Totally understand that. But then that's where my understanding ends, because then that comment from Gio Bernard caused a really aggressive and really defensive response from those journalists. I spent a lot of time in NFL locker rooms and covering the Dolphins. I have never, I mean never, tried to stalk a player in a locker room to the door and then, for lack of a better term, mouth off to said player. Like I've been disrespected by players before, but the thing you don't do in a locker room is then... It sounded like they were attempting to get into a verbal altercation with Gio Bernard. Listen to this again, just real quick. This is when, this is right after Gio Bernard tells these reporters, and this is video from Jenna Lane of ESPN, who covered the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right after he said, oh, you didn't want to talk to me all in a year, and now you want to talk to me. Listen to this aggressive, defensive response from these journalists, including Jenna herself. Talk to you this
0: week. Oh, well, well you were player. injured all year. What have you done for Sorry. us to talk to you about all year? I, I-, I talked to you Tuesday. The, just don't, what? just talk, don't say you're not talking because hey, I didn't talk to you, down, you all year.
3: Wait. You were also injured most of the season hold on, too. Hold on, hold on, hold on.
0: Just relax.
4: Can, can, can I, can I go to my family that I have outside? And you all can. of a sudden now? Just, just don't say we didn't talk to you. We, all year. We just
3: wanted to ask for your perspective on what happened. You, you're there.
4: involved in one of the biggest plays in the game. <laughs>
1: all right, stop it right there. Especially the male reporter in the background. Just don't, just don't tell us we didn't talk to you all year. Just don't. It sounds like they're trying to pick an altercation with Gio Bernard. That is extremely unprofessional. And yeah. that's dog
2: play. I, at risk of me saying something that would get me in trouble, I can't even comment on that because it was, it was just absolutely whack on there, behalf of all of
1: them. And, and Jenna Lane put out this video.
2: That as was the worst part of it. Was
1: it. Gonna, it was going to, it was going to, she thought it was, it was going to do something. And it didn't go that way. She thought that she was going to – she purposely put it out to paint Gio Bernard in a a very, very shady light. And now we see that there was an aggression there that was weird. You know what? If he walks out of the locker room, it sucks. But you know what? Then you tell the Tampa Bay officials, hey, we need to have this guy on Monday then because he ducked us in the locker room. That's what professionals would do. Instead, Jenna Lane and the rest of the Tampa Bay reporters decided – That following to the door and getting mouthy with them was the right approach to take. That was weird, and that was wildly unprofessional.
3: One hundred percent, the dog crap performance of the weekend. Jenna Lane also on Twitter: if you replied to her video, she replied right back. Like she went head to head with everybody in the reply thread
1: because then she was trying to defend. She thought that she had a home run. She thought she had a home run, and then when it when she realized, oh wait. People think that this came off badly for me. Then she got defensive just like she did in the video.
3: This is everything to do with main character syndrome. Like, mm-hmm. like, like people mm-hmm. think that what they're reporting on or how they do it is the correct way and whatnot. First of all, they all asked him the same question back to back to back to back. Nobody changed well, up the and question. And the questioning was really dicey in and of itself because he answered
1: the question. And then he answered the question. And then, oh, we need clarification. We need clarification. What more
3: is he going to clarify? He took ownership of the entire thing. Yeah. There's my thing right there. He took the blame. At, at what point are you sitting in front of Geo four? Why? There's no reasoning. When you know exactly what happened on that fake punt, it was a direct snap. You've seen it for 100 years that the sport of football has been around. He's not going to give you anything else than I dropped the football. So at that point... Do you just want to be along for the viral video? Do you just want to poke somebody? Do you want to feel important? It's embarrassing for the profession, 100%. Players don't want to talk to these nerds anymore.
1: I've been frustrated in locker rooms before. I've been ducked out on in locker rooms before, and it sucks. It really, really, really sucks. But the thing you don't do is try to cause a confrontation, and they tried to cause a confrontation. That's not good enough. That is absolutely not good enough. If you can't write your story... Or give your analysis of the game without talking to Gio Bernard, then you probably have to, you probably got to rethink what you're doing. Todd Bowles talked about it. The Buccaneers talked about it. You can fill in the holes Monday with Gio Bernard. You can tell Tampa Bay Sports Information hey, we need him pulled off to the side for us on Monday. But what you don't do is what the reporters exhibited in that video, period. Did you hear what Todd
3: Bowles said? No. He said he dropped the ball. Yeah. And it. that's all he had. He's like, hey, "Geo dropped the ball." That's what we all saw.
1: Todd Bowles said, "I knew the punt was the fake punt was coming."
3: Yeah. He dropped the ball.
1: Geo Bernard said, "It's my responsibility. I screwed up. It's on me. It's my fault." There's your clarity. What else we got to do? What else we got to it's talk giving, about? It's
2: giving Britt McHenry. I would also say, I would also say on Jenna's behalf, her immediately getting antagonistic by bringing up,
1: "Oh, you were injured all year. You were like, what are you?" what? What are you doing? Yeah. Also, like, what, what was that? Yeah, you, you don't need to sit there and defend yourself in that spot. That's that, not that your job. Sick. Your job was to get Joe Bernard. It's clear that he didn't want that to happen. It's upsetting. I understand that. But you don't chase him around the locker room. Like, there's no reason for that. So, uh, to Jenna Lane and the rest of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers media, that is my dog bleep performance of the weekend.
4: Um, yeah, dog
1: <laughs> Thanks, Coach Sala. Speaking of dog bleep, Coach Shala, maybe you want to use a timeout or two. Mm. I don't know. That's just me. Uh, Theo, what was your dog crap performance of the weekend on this dog bleep Monday here on Ken live?: Alive? Mine is going to go internally
2: to my Kansas City Chiefs because when the spread is, what, like 14 yep. what was it, fourteen points and you have yep. the Texans who you just saw. We saw two versions of the Texans. You saw the one that got steamrolled versus the Dolphins, and you saw one that put up a fight against the Cowboys. So you know that the, at the very least you should be up, awake, ready to take care of business, walk through the whole first half. Davis Mills is looking like the you know the second coming of whoever the hell, shoot. I mean, it was running and throwing all over the Chiefs' defense. It was, it was pathetic. I am glad that the Chiefs did do the right thing and close it out with a win, unlike what happened against the Colts earlier in the year. But still, it's just – when you're trying – you're still in the, in the running right now for that number one seed in that bye week, which is pivotal in the AFC. The Bills can lose any of these one last three games – and if the Chiefs went out, we can get that one seed. A performance like that against the Texans, you can't have that this late in the season.
1: Now, luckily, luckily for you, though, the Houston Texans became the Houston Texans. <laughs> yeah. Because, because I, everything was looking sunshiny, right? So, and everything was looking sunshiny for Houston in overtime when the Texans got to Patrick Mahomes to end yeah. the first Chiefs drive. Here comes Mahomes, third and fourth. Shot by Cashman. Oh, what a play! Back to the forty-five. Oh, Kevin Harlan on CBS is jacked. Can this upset happen? Is it going to happen? Oh no, no, because you're the Houston Texans. Because what happened on the very next play? This. Mills
0: blocked by a good Ola, and here's the only fumble of the ball. <laughs> it's loose. It's loose
1: at the twenty-seven. And then, what did the Texans do best? Well, after tragedy befalls them, they quit. Here's the quitting. The first and ten.
0: McKinnon, Brown, a block, and a block. they open up the door. The game is over. Touchdown, Ron McKinnon. The Chiefs have won. And they win the division.
1: So while their performance was dog bleep, while their performance was terrible, they still... At the end of the day, we're playing the Houston Texans, yeah. and they're still the division champion. So yours is the, your your dog bleed performance of the week isn't like a a mess in the living room that was left. It was more just like a, ah, that was annoying that my heel stepped in it in the yard yeah. type of situation.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it, it's, because the goal is so much greater, like the stakes are so much higher. <laughs> because I'm looking at seven straight AFC West championships, uh-huh, we can yeah. get that locked up. <laughs> totally, I'm totally. looking at that one seed, and I'm like, what are we doing out here, man?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I wanted to reach for Patrick Mahomes for the performance of the week just to piss Theo off, but he was thirty six of forty one. Yeah, he was, com- was good. He wasn't the problem. If, completing eighty eight percent of your passes. Yeah, uh, that, that's uh, yeah. the opposite of dog. I crime. mean, yeah.
1: Davis Mills just made things for the Chiefs neck dick. hectic, hectic, hectic. Why the long oh, neck? Oh, okay. Um, okay. I forgot no, about the Davis right, that Mills. Neck, yeah. Well, that was dog bleep. You're okay. horrible. All right, Robert Sala. Robert Sala, please grace Theo Dorsey with your voice. Um,
0: yes. Yeah,
1: dog. Yep. Dog bleep. All right, Stone, on a dog bleep Monday. And by the way, what was your dog bleep performance of the weekend in sports? 888 760 3776 Seven six zero three seven seven six 760 3776 On Twitter, at KLV1063. What was your dog bleep performance of the week? 888-760-3776.
3: Stone, where are you going? This one's plain and simple, and it's a game we already touched on, but Matt Ryan's second-half performance, for me, was the dog crap performance of the week. So nine drives mm-hmm. these Colts got. Jeff Saturday's boys, Matt Ryan, he knows how to blow a lead. So in nine drives, there were 20 dropbacks for a total of 60 yards. You oh, know, yeah, a total of zero points. <laughs> mm. So to go an entire two quarters of football with 60 yards to the air on 20 dropbacks and to not score a single point, I mean, I do not think it gets more dog crap than that. No, no,
1: that is it's pretty It's historic. Bad.
3: Historic.
1: That, that is well the, done. The thing about the
2: Colts, too, is if there was one, maybe five teams in the league that you can choose and say, hey, they have a 33-point lead, they're built to keep a lead mm. and get out of there. It would be the Colts who have Jonathan Taylor, well, he got, he, a, got, he, well got he got got of that game. He the, yeah. Yeah. the
1: problem is they didn't have Jonathan Taylor <laughs> that, in
2: the second half. I wonder if it would have – If it would have, I think they're still tanking. I still think they're playing with the Texans <laughs> right. and they're tanking as well. So
1: let's focus in this. And by the way, uh, Robert Sala, if you could cap off Stone, please. Um that was dumb. What is your what was your dog bleep sports performance of the weekend on a dog bleep Monday here on Ken Lavica Live? 888 760 760 And tweeted us at klv 1063 888 8-760-3776 because I need to bust out the tinfoil here. So so Theo, what you're saying is that we're seeing one of the most involved and one of the most um, elaborate tanking schemes in NFL history, so much so that instead of just going there outright and tanking and sucking, uh, these teams are purposely putting themselves in a position to win against good teams and then falling apart at the end. For what reason? Is that to avoid the NFL investigating them for tanking? Uh, Because this is extreme, like extreme, extreme. If you do what the Texans did against the Dolphins
2: and just don't show up in the first half, then there's no... like. That's too obvious. But if you fight your tail off, if you really call up a good game plan in the first half, and you get some points on the board, you look competitive. You you challenge that line because again, they're still covering too. You challenge that betting line. Like now, you look like you're a competitive team that just so happens to get beat out by the so better teams.
1: Who's the ringleader in each situation for this? Who's the one who is organizing this grand conspiracy plan?
2: Oh, it's got to be the owners. I mean, for sure, we know what the Colts is the owner. For sure with the Colts is the owner. The guy who fired Frank Wright and hired a TV analyst, I think he might be the one <laughs> orchestrating a little bit of tanking for the Colts. And again, <laughs> it it's the process. They've tried this already. They went and got Phillip Rivers. They went and got Carson Wentz. And they Carson made the playoffs. Wentz. They went and got Matt Ryan, and all three were swings and misses, though.
1: Yeah, but one brought him into the playoffs. One came a game away from going to the playoffs before he got Lawrence. Yeah. And then th- they weren't they uh, weren't
2: long-term fixes though. And just making the playoffs isn't his goal. I'm sure he wants to be able to contend and compete again. Like they want the next Peyton Manning and it hasn't worked out with these one-year rentals. So now he says, "I've seen this before." Smart man. He's been up there for a while. I'm going to go and get me a guy at the top of the draft. It's it's obvious. And for the Texans same thing. They had Deshaun Watson. They thought they had their quarterback for the next 30 years. But he got a little Touchy feely, and, and um, and, and things got a little weird for him. So they had to get up off of him. They wanted a franchise QB. These guys are outwardly tanking in the same division, and it's so obvious.
1: So, all right, conspiracy theory noted, n- n- noted. We very much noted. Noted. It's <laughs> noted. Um, what I would say in response to that, and Steve Smith on the NFL Network pregame show before the Dolphins and Bills was killing Jeff Saturday. Straight out said that. Uh, he might be the first interim coach in NFL history to get fired after three games. I would argue that the Colts' performance under Jeff Saturday should earn him at least another year as the head coach of the Colts. Those dudes are playing for him, and I know that collapse happened, and I know that it was a historic collapse, but they're competitive. They beat the Raiders, who beat the Patriots yesterday, They've hung in there. They've given themselves opportunities to win. They're clearly prepared. Jeff Saturday, I would say that he's not an embarrassment. I would say he's probably overperformed expectations to a point where he should be able to get a long conversation with Colts ownership. And they got no. What days. do you make of that? <laughs> Jeff Saturday
3: should get at least another year as the head coach of the Colts. They're playing for him. They got no Darius Leonard, mm-hmm. no Jonathan Taylor, mm-hmm. Shaq Leonard. Sha- oh, yeah. oh my oh, goodness! No. Well, he also just... doesn't have Darius
1: Leonard. Yeah, it, yes, sir. It, it's literally He's gone. Yeah, he gone all year. Sha- right.
3: <laughs> no Shaq. Hey, but here, uh, to Ken's point, I guess if I were to put on the tinfoil hat with them, we've stopped talking about Jeff Saturday. I yeah, think because he belongs per- because the performances have been okay. Yeah, he belongs. Like if they were so bad, it'd be a constant weekly thing we do. But it's like, oh, okay, it's not as bad as we thought. Go to the next topic. So for that reason, I'm in. I mean, Mike McCarthy blew a, blew a 17 point lead. Is is he
1: going to have that job next year? Probably. Yeah. Um. He could have the job. Todd Bowles had a 17 nothing lead. Is he going to have the job next year? Probably. Why wouldn't Jeff Saturday have this Colts job when he has nobody? And he was basically brought in to be a figurehead feel-good story, and these dudes are actually playing for him. Yeah. They're actually
3: playing for Don't him. forget to mention Josh McDaniels, right, who takes the loss to Jeff Saturday, Yeah. who takes the loss to Baker Mayfield, and it has a lot more blemishes on his yeah. schedule than Jeff. And it definitely feels like he's going to be the coach it of does. the Raiders next year. I'm so not- all I'm
1: saying is that you may think it's elaborate tanking, but I think Jeff Saturday, forget the tanking, I think Jeff Saturday has actually gone out there and tried to show, like, hey, I got
2: this. I can do this. He can be the coach of the Colts next year, but it's not the best decision for the Indianapolis Colts. I'm sure there's a guy out there that's more qualified that can raise the bar higher. You're talking about this Colts team as if they are bottom dwellers. They have the talent, and they were a team that was knocking on the door to playoffs last year. They've got a
1: 97-year-old quarterback and injuries all over the place.
2: It's not confusing to me that that they're actually competitive in games. It's confusing to me that they keep allowing teams to win, and it feels...
1: I would argue, though, that they play better under Jeff Saturday than they did Frank Reich. They play better under Jeff Saturday. So to what? And their you, offense has been better with the guy who was basically an offensive analyst coming in and calling plays than Frank Reich was at any point this season. And
3: so you know, what makes me sick thinking about though—is is Jeff Saturday with a 21-year-old rookie quarterback? Like, who's going to coach this guy? Who knows the new? offenses that saying. these you teams gotta get are bringing coach. in. You gotta get I mean, maybe you bring in a, a, a new offensive staff, right? Maybe yeah. you clean house and figure that out. But Jeff Saturday paired with the 21-year-old rookie quarterback and Bryce Young, that doesn't sound – I'm not optimistic Well, they
2: about wouldn't that. get Bryce, though. Unless they really get to the bottom there. Then it was, and like, yeah, then
1: or it's or like a process. C.J. Stroud. Well, your plan, yeah. your conspiracy theory, they're going to have the lead in every fourth quarter the remaining three weeks, and then they're going to on purpose lose in well, the, the fourth quarter for reasons Texans. unbeknownst.
2: The Texans are not going to let them do it. And weren't, wasn't it the Texans and Colts that tied like in week two mm-hmm. or one? Yeah, they, they've they been both on the tanking train. From <laughs> early. Because remember, the Texans could have tried to win that game. I think it was like week two against the Colts. And Lovey Smith was like, let's take the tie. <laughs> let's go ahead and take the tie here. This is sick, man.
1: So, so uh, Theo's got tinfoil on his head. And I think Jeff Saturday should be the coach of the Colts full time. <laughs> We are rolling here. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care is a team of skilled orthopedic sports medicine surgeons and specialists that specialize in surgical and non-surgical treatments to get you back to what you love. Don't put off seeing a doctor. Visit baptisthealthnet slash orthocare today for more information. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care combines its resources of experienced physicians, leading edge treatments, and technology to provide advanced orthopedic. Foot and ankle joint replacement, spine, and sports medicine care. Visit BaptistHealth.net/OrthoCare for more information today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has offices conveniently located in Palm Beach County through the Florida Keys. Learn more by visiting BaptistHealth.net/OrthoCare. The Dolphins, where are they, and what are they? A state of the Dolphins after a third straight loss when we come back. He's Theodore, CWP-TV News Channel 5, WFLX, Fox 29. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. Can we do it
0: again? Yeah, yeah. Can we do it again? Yeah, yeah. Can we do it again? Yeah, yeah. From the Enerjar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3. Tis the season.
1: To drink craft beer and eat off a full menu at Stormhouse Brewing. Just because soccer's over doesn't mean that, well, the resumption of the Premier League isn't gonna be right there at Stormhouse Brewing for your viewing consumption. Doesn't mean that they're not having the NFL Sunday ticket like they always do. I mean, at Stormhouse Brewing, it just keeps rolling. Stormhouse Brewing, North Palm Beach, US 1, half mile south of PGA Boulevard. I can't think of anywhere better to hang out, have beers with friends who've come back in town for the holidays, eat, watch sports than Stormhouse Brewing. Now that's a vibe. Damn right. Me. What was that? Vibing? This is my first time hearing it. We're just vibing.
0: I like that. Good vibes only.
1: That's right. Did you slow your voice down? Stormhouse Brewing. Who knows who that is? (laughs) Who knows who that is? It's Radio Magic. Stormhouse Brewing, North Palm Beach, US 1, half mile south of PGA Boulevard. It is vibes. It's vibes, baby. Oh, my goodness. They have the beer that is brewed on site. Their master brewer was trained in Germany. Don't tell me that you are not going to drink craft beer at a place where the master brewer was trained in what is the capital mm. of beer. Germany. Stormhouse Brewing. Full food menu. In a craft brewery, it's unheard of. Watch all your sports come hang out, and you're going to love it. You're going to love it. What you need to do this week, no one cares about work. Leave work early. Leave work for lunch. Go to Stormhouse Brewing and tell your boss, my productivity is nothing. Because I'm going to Stormhouse Brewing. Check them out online, stormhousebrewing.com, and pop in. Have beer, have food, have fun. Stormhouse Brewing in North Palm Beach. Ken LeVick alive. That's right. It's a Monday here on ESPN 106.3. Quick programming note. We will not be on the air at noon tomorrow. We're not on the air at noon tomorrow because... Everybody on the ESPN West Palm team is going to be down at FAU Stadium for the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Uh, kickoff is 7.30 between Liberty and Toledo. And for tickets, uh, you can get them at RoofClaimBocaRitonBowl.com. That's Um, Roofclaim, uh, But we will be on the air at 4. Myself, Theo, Stone. We're going to do a fun little drive-time edition of Ken Levicka live Alive, um, uh, starting at 4 o'clock from FAU Stadium. So if you're going to the game, come seek us out. Come check us out. Come listen to us. Pull if up. you're not going to the game, why? That's a terrible decision. But that's when you'll hear us tomorrow is at 4 o'clock Eastern time. Claire?
2: I heard Stone Labanowicz is going to be giving out autographs to anybody that pulls up outside of FAU Stadium. All right. That is a fact. Between four to six, though, you got to hit them right between four to six mm-hmm. for the live broadcast.
3: Small little
1: window, got to make it happen. <laughs> make, it, make it happen. The onus is on you. I'll send that autograph. You got to get your backside there, though, yeah. in that tiny little, uh, tiny little window. <laughs> um, I, I need to discuss the Dolphins because I, I've already stone and made it pretty clear. What I think about their playoff chances, right? Yeah, not too, uh, not too, not
3: feeling too good. Giving them a, a four out of ten. Yeah, no, I give them a, a four smart. out of ten after the loss to the Chargers. Yeah, that's right. I um, are you, are, is that number moving? Still right here, baby. I
1: gotta say, I'm probably at a five or a six now with the Dolphins. It was a really frustrating loss on Saturday night, an extremely frustrating loss because, like the previous two games, they had every opportunity to win. I. I think it's become clear that the Dolphins, do they have deficiencies on offense, and were they dicey on third down calls especially, and did they abandon the run Saturday in especially late-down situations where it made no sense for them to abandon the run because they were doing whatever they wanted against the front of the Bills? Yeah, that was frustrating. That's really frustrating. You don't have to throw a quick out to Tyreek Hill. You don't have to force a quick out to Jalen Waddell. Give the ball to Raheem Mostert. Give the ball to Alec Ingold. That stuff would have worked. The Dolphins may have won if Mike McDaniel didn't overthink himself and outthink himself in that second half on Saturday night. But the defense is the problem with this Dolphins team. And yes, they came up with a strip sack of Josh Allen. And yes, they have performed well with back against the wall multiple times this season. But they give up way too many points, man. they If you, in those weather conditions, in those weather conditions, on Saturday night, put up the point total the Dolphins did, you should absolutely be winning that game. And they didn't. And Josh Boyer's defense, more often than not, has been the massive problem this year, and that continued on Saturday night. It's why they're not going to make a deep playoff run. But... Those dudes went into Buffalo on a short week after traveling 3,000 miles and yep. getting ridicule because Mike McDaniel wore I wish it were colder, a wish it were colder shirt. They're getting crap for that. There was Stone and I watched last week as there was legitimate debate on ESPN about whether that was a good move on Mike McDaniel's part. That team played like a team that was unbothered by the cold. That team, through wide stretches of Saturday night, outplayed the Buffalo Bills. In Bill's weather, I now think that the Dolphins are going to beat the Packers on Sunday, and I think the Dolphins are going to continue to get help from the Patriots and Jets and win one of those two games, and they'll find a way into the playoffs. But that was encouraging. I'm, I'm not into a moral victory, and Mike McDaniel, his play calling has been suspect at times over the last three weeks, but you still see that those dudes believe they play for him. He keeps everything up and positive. Everyone thought they were going to get blown out Saturday night, and they should have won that game. Including us. Yeah, and they should have won that game. I I feel encouraged by what I saw because there's a lot of fight and a lot of execution in this team. When
2: y'all say including us, remember the guy who right before this weekend started was telling y'all pump the brakes, the Dolphins will be fine, and they have a chance to beat the Bills.
3: Well, I kept why, saying it. That's why you are a ray of sunshine from I kept
2: here saying on it. Like, like, the, Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, Eternal optimist. The Bills, for one, are like we've seen this over the past four or five weeks. They're not as scary as they were before the season started. It's a team that y'all had already beaten at home. And also the rest of the schedule isn't as daunting again as we previously talked about. The Packers, the Pats, and the Jets. Well, yeah, all very winnable games. We just got like,
3: out of the stretch. That was daunting.
2: Yeah, that was you, you finished it. It was three yeah. games. It was really tough. You lost all three of them. You were <laughs> in two of them. You were never going to win that San Francisco game.
1: The, the Chargers one ends up being a dismal loss. Yeah, That's the one that probably makes me the angriest because yeah. there's no reason for that.
3: But I can sleep at night. We can sleep at night yeah. with the Patriots and the Jets losing the way they did. Yeah, right. Exactly. That definitely helps. And in fact, going into yesterday, The Dolphins' playoff
1: chances, according to Steve Kornacki, were at 64%. They're now up to 69. Nice percent. Nice. So uh, that's encouraging. That's a good thing. I I, I just feel like once you come back home, and there's going to obviously be a lift being back home for the first time in a month, I think Sunday is going to be a good day for the Dolphins. I think Christmas Day is going to be a good day. And I know Aaron Rodgers is a challenge, but I feel better about going against Aaron Rodgers now and to have been able to get into a shootout with him than I did seven days ago.
2: It's a What I like about the Dolphins most is Mike McDaniel, he just feels like a guy who, who... Number one, he's obviously a good offensive mind. It's his first year of full time play calling, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he was playing calling the plays in San Francisco, right? He is,
0: and I, I
1: hate this, but you do have to give him a little bit of leeway yeah. because this is his first year calling plays, and the results have been mostly really good. And it's with a completely like new, like
2: two of adding Tyreek Hill, involving Jalen Waddle in the way that they have, trying to figure out the Mike Gesicki thing, bringing in a whole new running back core, having a new left tackle and a banged up O line. This is a really good foundation. And you have a coach who's not stuck in his ways. He's not an idiot. He has nuanced thought. Like, I, I feel optimistic about the future of the Dolphins, not just next year, but this playoff run here.
1: If anybody thinks that Tua was the weak link for the Dolphins on Saturday and did anything other than play winning football for the Dolphins, you're an idiot. Tua played winning quarterback football for the Dolphins on Saturday. Tua deserved better than what he got on Saturday. Again, we saw drops. I mean, that Trent Shurfield drop in the end zone. Tough catch, but come on, bro. Come on, bro. You're an NFL receiver. That one hurt. Mm. That one really hurt. Tua played winning football in 26-degree weather, and then the snow. He had his first two throws when it started with the heavy snow in the fourth quarter.
3: Tua I would, I'm going to go insane. He was excellent Saturday night. I think he was more than excellent, and it's interesting you're bringing up Tua not being the weakling because I am somebody I would defend the defense as well not being a weakling. I think they did enough defensively to win that football game. It's a Buffalo Bills team. I know 29 is, eh, depends how you want to look at it, but holding this Bills team and having the opportunities and the chances the Dolphins did, it's a win, and we're not moral victory good. guys. But I, I, I think Tua was not the weakling. I don't think the defense— was all that bad. I just thought it was a football game. They ended up being on the wrong side of Josh Allen converted three or four third downs on that game-winning drive. Yeah. He had a second and 17 and standing on his own 20. Gets it to a third and three, converts that. Then gets to another third and short, converts that. Another third and seven, third and eight, now in plus territory, converts that. It's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes. This Buffalo Bills team's damn good.
2: Yeah. You can't uh, always play the results. Like, I mean, yeah. it's it's a good, it was two good teams. Somebody had to lose.
3: Um, Simply.
1: Housam uh, Patel. Uh, Five Reasons Sports put out some advanced analytics from Saturday night. Late downs, third and fourth. The Dolphins had 15 plays. They had two rushes with a 1.06 EPA, 100% success rate, okay, on those two rushes. 13 passes with a negative .05 EPA per play with a 31% success rate. So that means on third and short, the Dolphins Saturday night passed the ball. Based on advanced analytics, however you take those, 38% more than what they needed to. Mm. So that tells you a big story right there. Yes, those people on social media Saturday night clamoring for the Dolphins to keep running the ball on third and fourth down. Mike McDaniel probably should have kept running the ball on third and fourth down. But then you factor in, it is his first year calling plays, first year as a head coach. You've gotten great returns to this point. Fine, you let it go, get ready for the Packers, and it's going to be 55 degrees at kickoff run forever on Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium. Aaron will be feeling good. He's Theo Darcy, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. Would you stop? I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 1063.
0: From the Anajar and Levine studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 1063. Hey,
1: spring training's coming up. Ballpark of the Palm Beaches. Pitchers and catchers are going to be down here before you know it in West Palm. Ballpark of the Palm Beaches. It is the spring training home of the world champion, Houston Astros. Tell them, Theo.
2: It's the city, baby. It's the splash town, baby.
1: H-Town, the Astros, yes, the champions, they call spring training. And the ballpark of the Palm Beaches home. You've got the Washington Nationals, those two teams. And then just the, the, the park itself. What a great experience. Ballpark Beautiful. of the Palm Beaches, not a bad seat in that place. Ballpark of the Palm Beaches, get your spring training tickets now. And it's not just the Astros and the Nationals. You got the Yankees coming through in Grapefruit League play. You got the Red Sox rolling through. Ballparkpalmbeaches.com, pretty easy to remember. Ballparkpalmbeaches.com. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Great stopping, Stucker. What? Stuffing. <laughs> whoa, whoa, Stocking, whoa. stuffer. Hmm. Stucking stuffer, is that what I went with first time around? Something yeah. like that. It was kind of weird. It's that All right. and a great stocking stuffer. <laughs> Spring training, ballpark of the Palm Beaches. Ballparkpalmbeaches.com. That's ballparkpalmbeaches.com. Now that's a vibe. Damn right it is. Um, Josh Allen's a mutant. He is not of this world. He's not. While we were talking about the Dolphins, I want to make sure that I throw that in there. What a, a complete freak of nature. Yeah. And I also, too, I'm tired of quarterbacks like Tua being put up against the performances of Josh Allen. Tua can absolutely—I had people saying, oh, the Dolphins are good, but they're not going to win anything with Tua. No, they can. They absolutely can. But you can't compare what Josh Allen's ability is and what he does to what Tua does. Ain't fair. Josh Allen is one of
3: one, okay? Okay. All this uh, week after you said you would trade him for a Super Bowl the following season, no, you cool. don't trade the mutant. You don't trade oh, no. the one of one. I would yeah.
1: say that though because the Bills haven't won a Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah, and you get desperate, but kind of feels like they probably have a couple of shots with him. No, shout <laughs> out, just a few.
2: Shout out to Canes, Mark Fletcher.
1: Tomorrow, McClain, tomorrow, we're yeah. tomorrow we're talking Canes. tomorrow we're talking Dion too. We're starting at Woo! four tomorrow. Note it. That's Theo. Yes, I'm that Stone. I'm Ken. Goodbye.
0: Can we do it again? Yeah, yeah. Can we do it again? Yeah, yeah. Can we do it again? Yeah, yeah. From I need to the jar and the Bean Studios yeah, yeah. in downtown do West it. Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaBeca Live on ESPN 106.3.
1: Tis the season to drink craft beer and eat off a full menu at Storm House Brewing. Just because soccer's over doesn't mean that, well... The resumption of the Premier League isn't going to be right there at Stormhouse Brewing for your viewing consumption. Doesn't mean that they're not having the NFL Sunday ticket like they always do. I mean, it's Stormhouse Brewing. It just keeps rolling. Stormhouse Brewing, North Palm Beach, US 1, a half mile south of PGA Boulevard. I can't think of anywhere better to hang out, have beers with friends who have come back in town for the holidays Eat, watch sports, then Stormhouse Brewing. Now that's a vibe. Damn right. Me. What was that? Vibing. Oh, this is my first time hearing it. We're just vibing. I like that. Good vibes only. That's right. Did you slow your voice down? Stormhouse Brewing. Who knows who that is? <laughs> who knows who that is? It's Radio Magic. Stormhouse Brewing, North Palm Beach, US 1, a half mile south of PGA Boulevard. It is vibes. It's vibes, baby. Oh, my goodness. They have the beer that is brewed on site. Their master brewer was trained in Germany. Don't tell me that you are not going to drink craft beer at a place where the master brewer was trained in what is the capital Mm. of beer. Germany. Stormhouse Brewing. Full food menu. In a craft brewery, it's unheard of. Watch all your sports come hang out, and you're going to love it. You're going to love it. What you need to do this week, no one cares about work. Leave work early. Leave work for lunch. Go to Stormhouse Brewing and tell your boss, my productivity is nothing because I'm going to Stormhouse Brewing. Check them out online, stormhousebrewing.com, and pop in. Have beer, have food, have fun. Stormhouse Brewing in North Palm Beach. Ken LeVick alive. That's right. It's a Monday here on ESPN 106.3. Quick programming note. We will not be on the air at noon tomorrow. We're not on the air at noon tomorrow because... Everybody on the ESPN West Palm team is going to be down at FAU Stadium for the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Uh, kickoff is 7.30 between Liberty and Toledo. And for tickets, uh, you can get them at RoofClaimBocaRitonBowl.com. That's Um, Roofclaim, uh, But we will be on the air at 4. Myself, Theo, Stone. We're going to do a fun little drive-time edition of Ken Levicka live Alive, um, uh, starting at 4 o'clock from FAU Stadium. So if you're going to the game, come seek us out. Come check us out. Come listen to us. Pull if up. you're not going to the game, why? That's a terrible decision. But that's when you'll hear us tomorrow is at 4 o'clock Eastern time.
2: Claire? I heard Stone Labanowicz is going to be giving out autographs to anybody that pulls up outside of FAU Stadium. All right. That is a fact. Between four to six, though, you got to hit him right between four to six mm-hmm. for the live broadcast.
3: Small little window, got to make it happen.
2: <laughs> make, it,
1: make it happen. The onus is on you. I'll send that autograph. You got to get your backside there, though, yeah. in that tiny little, uh, tiny little window. <laughs> um, I, I need to discuss the Dolphins because I, I've already stone and made it pretty clear. What I think about their playoff chances, right? Yeah, not too, uh, not too, not feeling too good. Gave them a, a four out of ten. Yeah, no, I gave them a, a four smart. out of ten after the loss to the Chargers. Yeah, that's right. I um, are you, are, is that number moving? Still right here, baby. I gotta say, I'm probably at a five or a six now with the Dolphins. It was a really frustrating loss on Saturday night, an extremely frustrating loss because, like the previous two games, they had every opportunity to win. I I think it's become clear that the Dolphins, do they have deficiencies on offense, and were they dicey on third down calls especially, and did they abandon the run Saturday in especially late-down situations where it made no sense for them to abandon the run because they were doing whatever they wanted against the front of the Bills? Yeah, that was frustrating. That's really frustrating. You don't have to throw a quick out to Tyreek Hill. You don't have to force a quick out to Jalen Waddle. Give the ball to Raheem Mostert. Give the ball to Alec Ingold. That stuff would have worked. The Dolphins may have won if Mike McDaniel didn't overthink himself and outthink himself in that second half on Saturday night. But the defense is the problem with this Dolphins team. And yes, they came up with a strip sack of Josh Allen. And yes, they have performed well with back against the wall multiple times this season. But they give up way too many points, man. If you, in those weather conditions, in those weather conditions, on Saturday night, put up the point total the Dolphins did, you should absolutely be winning that game. And they didn't. And Josh Boyer's defense, more often than not, has been the massive problem this year, and that continued on Saturday night. It's why they're not going to make a deep playoff run. But... Those dudes went into Buffalo on a short week after traveling 3,000 miles and yep. getting ridicule because Mike McDaniel wore I wish it were colder, a wish it were colder shirt. They're getting crap for that. There was Stone and I watched last week as there was legitimate debate on ESPN about whether that was a good move on Mike McDaniel's part. That team played like a team that was unbothered by the cold. That team, through wide stretches of Saturday night, outplayed the Buffalo Bills. In Bill's weather, I now think that the Dolphins are going to beat the Packers on Sunday, and I think the Dolphins are going to continue to get help from the Patriots and Jets and win one of those two games, and they'll find a way into the playoffs. But that was encouraging. I'm, I'm not into a moral victory, and Mike McDaniel, his play calling has been suspect at times over the last three weeks, but you still see that those dudes believe they play for him. He keeps everything up and positive. Everyone thought they were going to get blown out Saturday night, and they should have won that game. Including us. Yeah, and they should have won that game. I I feel encouraged by what I saw because there's a lot of fight and a lot of execution in this team.
2: When y'all say including us, remember the guy who right before this weekend started was telling y'all pump the brakes, the Dolphins will be fine, and they have a chance to beat the Bills. I that's kept why, saying it.
3: That's why you're a ray of sunshine. I from kept here saying, on like yeah, the, b- yeah, yeah, uh, eternal optimist." The, the
2: Bills, for one, are like we've seen this over the past four or five weeks. They're not as scary as they were before the season started. It's a team that y'all had already beaten at home. And also, the rest of the schedule isn't as daunting again as we previously talked about. The Packers, the Pats, and the Jets, well, yeah, all very winnable we games. We just got like, out
3: of the stretch. That was daunting.
2: Yeah, that was you, – you finished it. It was three yeah. games. It was really tough. You lost all three of them. You were in two of them. You were never going to win that San Francisco
1: game. The, the Chargers one ends up being – a dismal
3: loss. Yeah. That's the one
1: that probably makes me
3: the angriest because yeah. there's no reason for that. But I can sleep at night. We can sleep at night yeah. with the Patriots and the Jets losing the way they did. Yeah, right. Exactly. That definitely helps. And
1: in fact, going into yesterday, the Dolphins' playoff chances, according to Steve Kornacki, were at 64%. They're now up to 69. Nice. Percent. Nice. So uh, that's encouraging. That's a good thing. I, I just feel like once you come back home, and there's going to obviously be a lift being back home for the first time in a month, I think Sunday is going to be a good day for the Dolphins. I think Christmas Day is going to be a good day. And I know Aaron Rodgers is a challenge, but I feel better about going against Aaron Rodgers now and to have been able to get into a shootout with him than I did seven days ago.
2: It's uh, What I like about the Dolphins most is Mike McDaniel, he just feels like a guy who... who Number one, he's obviously a good offensive mind. It's his first year of full time play calling, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he was playing, calling the plays in San Francisco. Right. He
1: is, and I, I hate this, but you do have to give him a little bit of leeway yeah. because this is his first year calling plays, and the results have been mostly really good.
2: And it's with a completely like new, like two of adding Tyreek Hill, involving Jalen Waddle in the way that they have, trying to figure out the Mike Gesicki thing, bringing in a whole new running back core, having a new left tackle and a banged up O line. This is a really good foundation. And you have a coach who's not stuck in his ways. He's not an idiot. He has nuanced thought. Like, I, I feel optimistic about the future of the Dolphins, not just next year, but this playoff run here.
1: If anybody thinks that Tua was the weak link for the Dolphins on Saturday and did anything other than play winning football for the Dolphins, you're an idiot. Tua played winning quarterback football for the Dolphins on Saturday. Tua deserved better than what he got on Saturday. Again, we saw drops. I mean, that Trent Shurfield drop in the end zone. Tough catch, but come on, bro. Come on, bro. You're an NFL receiver. That one hurt. Mm. That one really hurt. Tua played winning football in 26-degree weather, and then the snow. He had his first two throws when it started with the heavy snow in the fourth quarter.
3: Tua I would, I'm going to go insane. He was excellent Saturday night. I think he was more than excellent. And it's interesting you're bringing up Tua not being the weakling because I am somebody I would defend the defense as well not being a weakling. I think they did enough defensively to win that football game. It's a Buffalo Bills team. I know 29 is, eh, depends how you want to look at it. But holding this Bills team and having the opportunities and the chances the Dolphins did, it's a win. And we're not moral victory good. guys. But I, I, I think Tua was not the weakling. I don't think the defense was all that bad. I just thought it was a football game. They ended up being on the wrong side of Josh Allen converted three or four third downs on that game-winning drive. Yeah, He had a second and 17 and standing on his own 20. Gets it to a third and three, converts that. Then gets to another third and short, converts that. Another third and seven, third and eight, now in plus territory, converts that. It's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes. This Buffalo Bills team's damn good.
2: Yeah. You can't uh, always play the results. Like, I mean, yeah. it's it's a good, it was two good teams. Somebody had to lose.
1: Um, Simply. Uh, Husham Patel. Uh, Five Reasons Sports put out some advanced analytics from Saturday night. Late downs, third and fourth. The Dolphins had 15 plays. They had two rushes with a 1.06 EPA, 100% success rate. Okay? On those two rushes. 13 passes with a negative .05 EPA per play with a 31% success rate. So that means on third and short, the Dolphins Saturday night passed the ball. Based on advanced analytics, however you take those, 38% more. Than what they needed to. Mm. So that tells you a big story right there. Yes, those people on social media Saturday night clamoring for the Dolphins to keep running the ball on third and fourth down. Mike McDaniel probably should have kept running the ball on third and fourth down. But then you factor in, it is his first year calling plays, first year as a head coach. You've gotten great returns to this point. Fine, you let it go, get ready for the Packers, and it's going to be 55 degrees at kickoff run forever on Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium. Aaron will be feeling good. He's Theo Darcy, WPW News Channel 5, WFLX, Fox 29. Would you stop? I'm Ken LeVick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3.
0: From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LeVick Alive on ESPN 106.3. Hey, spring training's coming up.
1: Ballpark of the Palm Beaches. Pitchers and catchers are going to be down here before you know it in West Palm, ballpark of the Palm Beaches. It is the spring training home of the world champion, Houston Astros. Tell them, Theo. It's the city,
2: baby. It's the splash town, baby.
1: H-Town, the Astros, yes, the champions, they call spring training. And the ballpark of the Palm Beaches home. You've got the Washington Nationals, those two teams. And then just the, the, the park itself. What a great experience. Ballpark Beautiful. of the Palm Beaches, not a bad seat in that place. Ballpark of the Palm Beaches, get your spring training tickets now. And it's not just the Astros and the Nationals. You got the Yankees coming through in Grapefruit League play. You got the Red Sox rolling through. Ballparkpalmbeaches.com, pretty easy to remember. Ballparkpalmbeaches.com. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Great stopping, Stucker. What? Stuffing. <laughs> whoa, whoa, Stocking, whoa. stuffer. Hmm. Stucking stuffer? Is that what I went with first time around? Something yeah. like that. It was kind of weird. It's that All right. and a great stocking stuffer. <laughs> Spring training, ballpark of the Palm Beaches. Ballparkpalmbeaches.com. That's ballparkpalmbeaches.com. Now that's a vibe. Damn right it is. Um, Josh Allen's a mutant. He is not of this world. He's not. While we were talking about the Dolphins, I want to make sure that I throw that in there. What a, a complete freak of nature. Yeah. And I also, too, I'm tired of quarterbacks like Tua being put up against the performances of Josh Allen. Tua can absolutely—I had people saying, oh, the Dolphins are good, but they're not going to win anything with Tua. No, they can. They absolutely can. But you can't compare what Josh Allen's ability is and what he does to what Tua
3: does. Ain't fair. Josh Allen is one of one. Okay? Okay. All this uh, week after you said you would trade him for a Super Bowl the following season, no, you cool. don't trade the mutant. You don't trade oh, no. the one of one. I would yeah. say that though because the Bills haven't won a Super Bowl.
1: Yeah. yeah, and you get desperate, but kind of feels like they probably have a couple of shots with him. No, shout uh, out just to, a few.
2: Shout out to Canes, Mark Fletcher. Tomorrow, McClain, tomorrow, we're yeah. tomorrow we're talking
1: Canes. Tomorrow we're talking Dion too. We're starting at Woo! four tomorrow. Note it. That's yes, Theo. I'm that Stone. I'm Ken. Goodbye.
0: Three. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica live on ESPN 1063.
1: Hey, spring training's coming up. Ballpark of the Palm Beaches. Pitchers and catchers are gonna be down here before you know it in West Palm. Ballpark of the Palm Beaches, it is the spring training home of the world champion, Houston Astros. Tell them, Theo.
2: It's the city, baby. It's
1: the splash town, baby. H Town, the Astros, yes, the champions. They call spring training and the ballpark of the Palm Beaches home. You've got the Washington Nationals, those two teams. And then just the, the, the park itself. What a great experience. Ballpark Beautiful. of the Palm Beaches. Not a bad seat in that place. Ballpark of the Palm Beaches. Get your spring training tickets now. And it's not just the Astros and the Nationals. You got the Yankees coming through in Fruit League play. You got the Red Sox rolling through. BallparkPalmBeaches.com. Pretty easy to remember. BallparkPalmBeaches.com. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Great stuffing, Stucker. What? Stuffing? Whoa, whoa. Stocking whoa. stuffer.
5: Mm.
1: Stucking, stuffer. Is that what I went with first time around? <laughs> Something yeah. like that. It was kind of weird. It's, it's that all right. and a great stocking <laughs> stuffer. Mm. Spring training, ballpark of the Palm Beaches. Ballparkpalmbeaches.com. That's ballparkpalmbeaches.com. Now that's a vibe. Damn right it is. Um, Josh Allen's a mutant. He is not of this world. He's not. While we were talking about the Dolphins, I want to make sure that I throw that in there. What a a complete freak of nature. Yeah. And I also, too, I'm tired of quarterbacks like Tua being put up against the performances of Josh Allen. Tua can absolutely... I had people saying, oh, the Dolphins are good, but they're not going to win anything with Tua. No, they can. They absolutely can. But you can't compare what Josh Allen's ability is and what he does to what Tua does. Ain't fair. Josh Allen is
3: one of one. Okay? All this uh, week after you said you would trade him for a Super Bowl the following season. No. You don't trade the mutant. You don't trade the one of one. I would say
1: that, though, because the Bills haven't won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. And you get desperate, but kind of feels like they probably have a couple of shots with him. No, out, <laughs> just a few.
2: Shout out the Canes, Mark Fletcher. Tomorrow, McClain, tomorrow, we're yeah. tomorrow we're talking
1: Canes. Tomorrow we're talking Dion too. We're starting at Woo! four tomorrow. Woo! Note it. That's yes, Theo. Sir. I'm that Stone. I'm Ken. Goodbye.